Welcome to the Insomnia Coach Podcast. My name is Martin Reed. I believe that nobody needs to live with chronic insomnia and that evidence-based cognitive and behavioral techniques can help you enjoy better sleep for the rest of your life. The content of this podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not medical advice and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease, disorder or medical condition. It should never replace any advice given to you by your physician or any other licensed healthcare provider. Insomnia Coach LLC offers coaching services only and does not provide therapy, counseling, medical advice or medical treatment. The statements and opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily endorsed by Insomnia Coach LLC. All content is provided as is and without warranties, either express or implied. Dave often experienced difficulties falling asleep and staying asleep, and this became more of a problem once he became a father. After an overseas trip, Dave's sleep really took a turn for the worse, Not only did he find it hard to fall asleep, he would also wake around 3am and find it very difficult, if not impossible, to fall back to sleep. This decline in his sleep led to experimentation with over-the-counter medications, the implementation of unhelpful sleep hygiene techniques, and ongoing sleep-related research. Unfortunately, this only led to more worry and anxiety and more sleep disruption. Fortunately, Dave found out about sleep restriction, a core component of cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, CBTI. Consistent implementation of sleep restriction transformed Dave's relationship with sleep. He began to look forward to going to bed. He rediscovered the pleasurable sensation of sleepiness at night, and he started to fall asleep faster, spend less time awake during the night, and get more sleep. In this episode, Dave shares his transformation and explains how sleep restriction improved his sleep and why consistency and persistence is so important if you want to enjoy better sleep for the long term. A full transcript of this podcast and an accompanying video can be found at insomniacoach.com forward slash podcast. Okay, so Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to come on to the Insomnia Coach podcast today. Excellent, it's a pleasure. So let's start at the beginning. Um, can you tell us when your sleep problems began and do you have any, any recollection or any memory of what initially triggered these sleep issues that you dealt with? Yeah, I've been thinking, thinking about that and um, it's, it's not one single event. It's, it's, I've always been sort of an anxious sort of person and had trouble like falling asleep and staying asleep um over like i think it it came to a head when i had had children and children Mm -hmm. really messed with my sleep children were the the worst thing for sleep but um when it when it really um became a problem for me was when i had a trip to uh, canada and Mm -hmm. um remember taking um um I remember every time I'd have a, um, a cold or a flu, I'd take those the, the flu drugs that would help me sleep at night, and I'd take those, and I'd, I'd have a, a fantastic night's sleep. But then the next night, I would I'd, I'd be awake, and I, w- I couldn't sleep properly. So mm. 
I saw saw some some drugs over 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 counter in Canada, and I t- I took those to, to try and get a, a good night's sleep, and and they gave me a great night's sleep. But after three or four nights of taking them and then going off them, then I found that my my sleep drive just absolutely just diminished, and I needed those drugs to get that 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 feeling of sleep sleepiness sleepiness mm. again, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, that that. That's where it really, really sort of came to a head. Once I started taking those that, that sleep medication, that that just eroded my sleep drive completely and made it so hard to get to sleep at night. Mm. So you mentioned that it was you mentioned sleep drives. This makes me think that your issues were primarily with that first hurdle, you know, falling asleep at the start of the night. Was that the the main struggle that you were experiencing? That that was the the first main struggle that I that I had, but then it did it, it came to um, sleep maintenance insomnia. I'd wake at three o'clock in the morning and um, and I look at the I'd look at the clock and think, okay, three o'clock in the morning. I, uh, you know, it used to be a positive feeling. I used to think three o'clock in the morning, I'd go, I've got another three hours sleep, and I'd roll over, and go back to sleep. But now it was, I'd look at three the, the clock. Go three o'clock. I'm going to be awake until six, six, seven o'clock till I get out of bed. And I was just getting more and more frustrated and not sleeping. And then it'd get to two o'clock, and then it'd get to one o'clock, and I'd end up having like two hours sleep or three hours sleep, and that was it for the night. Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting you say that about the the clock watching. You know how before you really spent much time thinking or worrying about sleep if you check the time during the night and it was 3 a.m you'd be oh great i've got a few more hours left but your mindset just changes once you're living with that struggle right you check the time and if it's 3 a.m instead of thinking oh great i've got a few more hours left you're like oh no i've only got a few more hours left your mindset changes even though nothing else has changed that's right that's right yeah yeah so yeah i i typically suggest to people that are struggling with sleep just stop checking the clock because it, it never leads to a positive outcome when you're struggling with sleep. It only has the potential for a negative reaction, which then ends up making sleep more difficult. I mean, is yeah. that something you tried, you know, just not checking the, the time during the night and not checking the clock? It's something that I do religiously now. I make sure that if I get, I get up at night, like oh, I might go to the bathroom or something, but I come back and I make sure my my wife's got one of those little alarm clocks by the bed, and I mm-hmm. make sure that I never ever look at that. And it's it's working at the moment. It's really really working. Yeah, it's such a small thing, um, but I think it can make just such a big impact. And when when I tell people about it, they're, they're kind of like, "Well, how can such a small thing ha- have an impact? I don't think it's going to make much difference." Or they'll say something like, well, the idea of not checking the clock makes me feel kind of anxious, you know? So I just say, well, just just give yourself an experiment, you know, just try for a week or maybe two weeks and just not check the clock once you go to bed until your alarm goes off and just see what kind of effect it has. And overwhelmingly, people find it so helpful. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, so you told me that, you know, you felt that perhaps you were someone that often struggled with sleep um, in the past, um, but then it kind of came to a head when you, when you went overseas, when you went to Canada. Um, I thought that was interesting because it kind of follows this, this very common or familiar mold when it comes to the development of insomnia. And by that, I mean that for many people with insomnia, they are kind of like more predisposed to these sleep issues. 
Um, so if you imagine that there's like this bar and once you go above that bar, that's when you're struggling with sleep. And some people are just a bit more predisposed. So they, they start off a little bit higher to that bar. So we, this could be due to anything. You could have a stressful job, more reactive to stress. You might be a strong morning person or a strong night owl. But just kind of from the start, you're a little bit closer to that bar. But then you have like this, this, this model that I'm describing is called the 3P model in insomnia. Uh, this, then what happens is we have like this precipitating event, which is like the second P in the model. And for you, it sounds like, you know, that was that trip to Canada. And that's what kind of pushed you over the bar and led to this sleep disruption, you know, like this very noticeable sleep disruption. Um, and often that leads us on to this third and final P in this 3P model for insomnia, which is the perpetuating factors. So instead of sleep just recovering by itself, um, it's perpetuated by our response to this, this sleep disruption, which is often quite understandable and normal and to be expected. You know, when we travel, that's often a time when some, some of us will struggle with sleep, you know, because it's just a big change, big environmental change. Um, this kind of, our senses are bombarded with all these new experiences. Um, but these perpetuating factors make it difficult for our sleep to recover. And they can be things like, you know, seeking out that over-the-counter medication, um, maybe going to bed earlier, staying in bed later, um, maybe trying to conserve energy during the day, cancelling plans with friends. You know, all these things that we do in response to that initial sleep disruption in a bid to improve our sleep actually kind of backfires and perpetuates the problem. Um, and I just think it's important to talk about that just because you seem to fit that mold almost perfectly. Do, do you recognize that just as I was talking yeah. through it? Yes, def definitely. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, all these perpetuating factors, they lead to this disruption, you know, like the sleep drive disruption that you noticed yourself, you know, as soon as you stop taking those over the counter medications, you notice like that disruption to your sleep drive where there wasn't that sleepiness present anymore. Um, other people notice, you know, this, there's like this body clock disruption where when we get up at all different times of the day, you know, our body doesn't really know if it should be awake or asleep and that makes the problem more difficult. And then we just trigger a lot of arousal, you know, like anxiety and worry and like catastrophizing real concern and of course that makes sleep more difficult and further perpetuates the problem and this is like the real challenge that we have with insomnia is getting the sleep drive back on track getting the body clock back on track and dealing with that arousal and that anxiety yeah yeah definitely definitely yeah i could i can see that that was the um the, the the start of my problems i was i then i got i started doing the internet searches and mm. talking to people i was i was i was going i was doing a lot of exercise at that time so and a lot of people were telling me that you need to get the eight hour sleep and i wasn't mm. getting the eight hour sleep and that was getting me more frustrated and my wife was getting worse sleep because i'd wake up look at the clock and i'd oh, toss and turn and and complain and wake her up and yeah it was just it just it was just um, landsliding. Everything was just just making things worse, and I, I so I can I can see that now. But at the time, I just uh, you, I couldn't step away from it and then look back at it. Mm. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's completely natural as well to have that response, you know, because you're experiencing this, this concern, this distress with your sleep. So you want to pay attention to it and help improve your sleep. So by absolutely no fault of your own, like you did everything that comes naturally to you, you know, you were problem solving, you were trying to implement behaviors and techniques to improve your sleep. But unfortunately, all those like sleep efforts that we call them, they actually make sleep more difficult. Um, and and that's the strange thing about sleep. And I've, I say this a lot is so much of our, you know, success in life is down to effort. You know, the more effort generally we put into something, the better the outcome. But sleep is completely the opposite. You know, the more effort we put into sleep, the more difficult sleep becomes. Um, and this is a real problem because when we've gone through life knowing that effort equals success, when we yeah. experience sleep disruption, we put effort in and it doesn't lead to success. And that leads to more worry because now we're completely lost at sea, you know, and we feel like there's something uniquely wrong with us. Like maybe we've lost the ability to sleep, but we're never going to get better, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned that, you know, you tried these, over-the-counter medications um was was there anything else that you tried before you found cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia these cbti techniques which we'll talk about in a little bit yeah yeah i, I try I, well, I tried pretty much everything I, I did the 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 sleep hygiene i think anybody who's anybody who's got um insomnia has, has, has tried the sleep hygiene and sleep hygiene like you try to tweak little things here and there but I don't think it. I don't think it made that much, much difference at all. But uh, I did the. Um, I did meditation and mindfulness, and that that seemed to help help uh, a lot. Um, it didn't help to to get to sleep. But when I woke in the in the middle of the night, I'd, I'd lay in bed and do the the. I think it's the the four, five, seven, eight breathing technique, and that used to calm me down. And I could lay there, and I, I'd, I'd I'd wake up in. I'd, I'd, well, I'd get out of bed. I wouldn't wake up. In but I get out of bed at six o'clock and I feel um, rested, like I was still getting through the day and I was still feeling feeling great. But but if my wife asked me that question, like that everybody asks every morning, is like, "Oh, how'd you sleep?" I died. She she ended up not asking that question because of the bad responses she got mm -hmm. from me. I was just I I'd say yes, it was horrible. I had about two hours sleep and I don't know how I'm going to get through the day. But an hour into the day and you're you, you were, I was fine. I was mm. fine, but um, once once um, that sun sun went down about six o'clock, I could feel I was getting tired. But um, but but by the time I came to bed, I was so stressed that um, the 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 sleep drive had gone, and like I, my mind was ticking over, and I couldn't get to sleep at that 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 time. So. Yeah, yeah that, I think that's something that a lot of people listening to this are going to relate to. You know, you as the evening starts, you recognize those sleepiness cues, you know, and you probably think in your head, oh, if I went to bed now, I'd be fine. I'll go straight to sleep. Um, but then as your actual bedtime approaches, you start to or even just when you get into bed, you suddenly feel wide awake again. Um, and that's commonly this symptom of like this conditioned arousal. Um, so basically, because so many times you've gone to bed and struggled, you know, you've been wide awake, you've been worried, anxious, frustrated, and because that's happened over and over and over again, you've kind of learned 
that that is what happens when you get into bed. So when you're not in bed and there's, and you know you're not going to be going to bed soon, you are pretty relaxed and so you feel sleepy. But then once that bedtime approaches or you get into bed, your brain is all of a sudden preparing for that awful night to come because that's what it's expecting because it's experienced it over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people are going to relate to that. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I had this, um, I had um, sleep maintenance insomnia for about two years and you think that's it, this is, this is my life. I just, I wake up at three, three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning and I lie there until it's time to get out of bed and you think, well, you sort of um, resign yourself to that's 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 it. But it wasn't wasn't until I you know found those um, those techniques and it, it made it was a game changer. It was amazing. Yeah. All right. So so let's talk about that. So you mentioned you know what almost everyone does. You know when you have sleep issues, you go online and typically you find out about sleep hygiene, which isn't helpful actually for people with chronic insomnia. Um, and and we actually know that you know well. People with insomnia don't always know it, but people that work in the field of sleep know it. Um, and certainly the people that are doing um, like clinical studies and research, they actually give sleep hygiene to the control group, you know, because they recognize it as a non-intervention. You know, it's something that we know doesn't work. So when we're trying to look at the, how effective different treatments are, we give the control group sleep hygiene because we know it doesn't work. But yeah, it's the first thing that is often recommended to people with insomnia. And I think that's so unhelpful because then, of course, it's another thing that you try and it's another thing that doesn't work. And then you just have more worry because you're like, this didn't work for me and everyone is recommending it. There's definitely something uniquely wrong with me here. And it just leads to more worry. Um, so you when was it i think it was um seven months ago yeah about seven yeah. months ago um you found the insomnia coach website you found me and you found out about cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia these cbti techniques that we talk a lot about on the podcast here um had you heard about cbti before you found uh, my website or was this something that was completely new to you no, it was, it was completely new to me. I'd done a lot of, lot of searches and I thought I had um, exercise-based insomnia and all these other, the other things. I sort of self-diagnosed myself and, I, and I, yeah, I was, I, was, I was wrong. But, yeah, when I came across your website, I tried, I tried the, um, the, yeah, you offered the 14-day the um, um, email, emailing um, um, and there was, it was so good. It, was, it, it sort of it put my mind at ease and then I did the... Um, the, the sleep diary, which was another another great tool to, to, to highlight, you know, it, doing the sleep tool, sleep um, diary highlighted how bad my my sleep was, uh, and but it, but the, the sleep diary did get me clock watching a lot more, and the clock watching sort of negated the sleep diary. I, I needed to, uh, I think, on one of your podcasts, a, a woman was um, would would play music and know that the track was 15 minutes long so she'd get out of bed so that I should have done something like that instead I'd look at the clock and then go oh another 10 minutes I can get out of bed look at the clock again okay it's another five minutes I'm not going to get any sleep tonight and I get that'd get me more frustrated so mm -hmm. so that was um for me was um a, a negative thing just look, looking at the clock so much yeah I think it's it's really important with that sleep diary you know to recognize that 
we don't want you to be clock watching when you're filling out a sleep a sleep diary or a sleep journal, sleep log, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, oh, the only time we need you to check the clock when you're filling out a sleep diary is, you know, when you go to bed. Um, just write down the time you go to bed, and then when you get out of bed in the morning, start the day. Everything else should just be estimates. But yes. I totally get that it can really increase that temptation to check the clock because you just want to be so accurate when filling out the sleep yes. diary, you know, but really we're just looking for your estimates, you know, your subjective experience, like how long you think you spent awake during the night, for example, like how long yes. you think it took you to fall asleep because really that's all that matters because sleep is just so subjective, you know, because yes. someone could get seven hours of sleep and feel great someone could get six hours of sleep and feel great. Someone could get nine hours of sleep and feel terrible. So we, the numbers really don't matter. It's just how you feel. Um, and exactly. so even if you think that you're really bad at estimating time, you might be, um, but the way we estimate time tends not to change over time. So it's still really helpful in terms of tracking, you know, trends and progress um, yeah. and just kind of, it's almost like a form of accountability in a way as well. You know, if, if you're targeting this consistent out of bedtime in the morning, you know, just taking that, those few minutes in the morning to just write down, yes, I did get out of bed at six in the morning. And I think you touched upon that, you know, it kind of highlighted these potential areas of improvement for yourself. Yeah. Um, like in the, in, when you first, first got going with that. Yeah. So yeah, well, I should, go ahead. I should, I should, should get back and do that try the sleep diary again but do it do it properly this time and not look at not not clock watch and just go by the the feeling of how you feel in the morning there are you ready to, to face the day are you are you do you do you feel okay have you had had enough quality it's not quantity quantity of sleep it's quality of sleep yeah if you've had good quality sleep then yeah you can sort of you, you can face the day it's it's but that that eight hour myth is um was totally throwing me off when i when i was um when I was first and I thought oh, I have to get eight hours, eight hours of sleep. And, um, yeah, I was, I was not getting without, without drugs. I could not get near that eight hours of sleep. And, and even with it, even with medic medication, you get the eight hours, but you still felt groggy and drowsy the next day. I could get six or seven hours like sleep without, without the medication and you'd feel so much better. Like mm -hmm. you, you got better quality sleep and that sleep drive had kicked in and, and you're you've you're okay for the day and i remember talking to people at at um, my work and say and they'd, they'd ask me how because like they knew that, that i had some insomnia they'd ask me how do i sleep and i'd say oh, i i i've got about two hours but I, that's all i need I'm, I've, I've evolved into the next um the next generation of people i, you know, I don't need sleep anymore yeah, you know, that that whole eight hours thing, this pressure that we can put ourselves under, under to get a certain amount of sleep is, is a real problem. Um, I, I, the, the number of people that actually need eight hours, I think, is pretty minuscule. Um, very few people regularly get eight hours of sleep. You know, I think when we look at actually the averages, it's far closer to six hours than eight hours, you know, for this average yeah. nightly sleep duration for people. But I think what can kind of perpetuate it is, you know, when you ask friends or family how much sleep they got, they just think of when they went to bed, 
when they got out of bed and they just think, all right, that's a hundred percent of that was sleep. So that's probably closer <laughs> to eight hours, you know, cause they're not thinking about, you know, the time that they yeah. spend in bed reading or the time that they're spending in bed, just talking to their partner or just lying awake, waiting to fall asleep. They're not counting the time they wake up during the night to use the bathroom. They're not counting the time that they wake maybe shortly before their alarm. So there's all these like little pockets of time that they're not thinking of quite rightly because they're not thinking yeah. about sleep very much so yeah. they just kind of default to oh, about eight hours and i think that kind of perpetuates this pressure this belief that we all need that amount of sleep and it's really not true and it it just leads to this effort to get more sleep which can really backfire and make sleep more difficult yeah exactly yeah so, okay, so you found out about these CBTI techniques. Um, can you tell us a bit more about, you know, the specific techniques that you found that were, that were helpful for you? The, um, the, um, the sleep restriction, which I, which I, I, I hate the, sleep, the term sleep restriction, as I've said. It's, a, yeah, it's bedtime, bed, bed restriction, but that, that works so, so well. I, I actually looked forward to the times that I could, my, my wife would go, I fell into the trap of going to bed the same time as my wife went to bed. So, so at 10 o'clock, I'd go to bed with, with her and I was, wasn't tired and I'd just lie there. She, she would, her head would hit the pillow and she'd fall asleep, which would frustrate me no end. I'd, 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 I'd listen to her uh, sleep and, and I'd lie, lay there going, okay, I'm going to lie here for another, another hour before I get to sleep. But this, the, um, the, the, the sleep restriction, like... She'd go to bed, and then I'd go. Okay, great. I, I'm 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 up for another hour now. I can I can watch a pro watch TV. I showed that she wouldn't watch. I could watch sport. I could watch her movies. Mm -hmm. So I really look forward to like having that time, and 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 it was my own time. But but then you could um you actually got the feeling of being sleepy again, mm -hmm. which I wasn't getting. So. I was, I was, I was getting that that feeling of being sleepy, but only after lying in bed for two hours, and getting frustrated. So I was getting that feeling of being sleepy while watching TV, and and you'd actually go to bed and feel like, oh, I want to get into bed. You feel like you'd associate that um, feeling of getting into bed with was positive, whereas yes. it was negative before. Mm -hmm. So that that yeah, and I I actually really liked having that that time to myself. Yeah, I hear that a lot. You know, um, some people, they get quite concerned with the idea of allotting less time for sleep because they think that spending less time yeah. in bed means there's not that opportunity to get more sleep. But the thing is, is if you just look back on your own experience, you know from your own experience that spending more time in bed isn't leading to more sleep. But what it is doing is leading to more time awake you know, and that's not pleasant. Like, you know, going to bed before you've got that strong sense of sleepiness, it, it isn't a pleasant experience. And so you can kind of turn that around, you know, we're not looking to, you know, let's say your average nightly sleep duration is five hours. We're not saying only spend four hours in bed, you know, we're not cutting sleep away from you. We're just no. taking the wakefulness away, you know, so and it I, are you. I use your analogy of like you don't sit at the dinner table waiting to get hungry, which is I think is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's it's strange that we feel I don't know. You know, I, I can understand it. You know, the idea that let's spend more time in bed, we give ourselves that opportunity for sleep. 
But when we have that idea, that strategy in our minds, we can kind of gloss over the fact that it's never really worked for us in the past. But yet it's this behavior that we keep on doing in the hope that something will miraculously change. Um, but what does help is just looking at your average nightly sleep duration, maybe just seeing that as your current sleep capability. You know, so let's say your average nightly sleep duration right now is about five hours. Um, so from there, maybe just a lot, say five and a half hours for sleep. So you're not taking any sleep away. You're still giving yourself like that half an hour opportunity for a bit more sleep. But what you're really doing is just reducing all that time spent awake and you're building that sleep drive during the day, you know, so by staying up, typically you'll be staying up a little bit later. Um, and so you get that feeling of sleepiness back. And so many people are like, I it's great. I look forward to the evening now, you know, after a few weeks of trying this and they start to get that feeling of sleepiness back. It's yeah. just this big revelation. I'd kind of forgot. I hear I've, I'd forgotten what it was like to feel sleepy, you know, yes. and they actually look forward to staying up later exactly as you described. So it was really, um, it was really good to hear you describe it just like that. Yes. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. It was, yeah, it was, um, it was, a simple thing, but it was such a, a mind-changing thing to, 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 to take those feelings of negativity and, and turn them around. And it was just a, such a positive thing to, to have that time to myself, like when I was staying up, but also getting like oh, I was positive to go to bed and I felt like I, I felt so tired. Like when, when you, you you got the sleep restriction and your, your window is like pushed back. You're, you're struggling to stay stay awake and watch TV. But when you go to bed, you feel like, ah, I can relax. And you just you feel so so happy and you feel the sheets on your body and you feel your, your, the weight of your body on the on the bed. And you just, yeah, you go, you go out within, I was going out within five minutes easily. Uh, yeah, I think it's just like you just described, it's just such a big mindset change, you know, where you start to look forward to that moment of getting into bed instead of starting to dread it. Um, yeah. And and just I think, too, you know, another benefit of this is because you're spending less time awake in bed because you're more sleepy and you're not allotting quite so much time for sleep. You spend less time awake in bed, so you're kind of chipping away at that conditioned arousal, you know, that we talked about a little bit earlier. So you're kind of retraining yourself to see the bed as a place for sleep instead of wakefulness. Yes. And so that's like another one of these long-term benefits is the bed once again starts to become this strong trigger for sleep. And that's why it's just yes. so helpful for, for the long term. Yeah, and I, t I talk to a lot of people who don't have insomnia about, you know, what, what, what do you do? And, you know, as, as you say, they say, oh, yeah, nothing. I just go to bed and, they, and I, I tell them about my negative um, association with, with, um, with sleep in bed and they go, well, I love the bed. I love going to sleep. And, and it was only, only after when you get that sleep drive and you feel so tired that when you do start to appreciate the bed and, and love the bed again and love to get to get to bed instead of dreading like it feels feel feels tired feel sleepy but then you, on that walk to bed you, that feeling of dread would hit you again and mm. you'd, you'd you'd start you'd lie down in bed and you go I'm awake now but but that that was the time that you, you I'd go okay I need to get out of bed again and go and do something, something positive and get that positive mind, mind frame again and then, then try again and 
yeah, it would work. Yeah. How did you find it, you know, because we're talking about this, the front end right now, you know, just typically involves staying up later. How did you do on the other side, you know, which is this having this consistent out of bedtime in the morning? Because that's often something that people struggle with, you know, just the idea that they have to get out of bed by a certain time, even if they're having a great night of sleep or even if they're having a terrible night of sleep. Was this something that you struggled with or did you find it quite easy to do that? Well, I, I have to get up up to get go to work and get the. I've got you know young kids, so I've got to get them ready for school, and mm-hmm. um, so so having a, a bed uh, a wake time was was not not a problem. I, I'm quite quite happy with that. The the thing that I did struggle with was the getting out of bed at like when it was like three o'clock in the morning and when I wasn't tired and, and getting up and doing something because that that. To me, I, I tried that a few times. I didn't really, I didn't stick with that. But, but you know, a couple of times I'd get up and start doing things, and it was, I, it, it was a real struggle for me to get back to sleep after that. Mm-hmm. And and I would find that, well, the, the next day my sleep drive would be crazy, crazy high, and I'd sleep the next the next night. So it did it did work in that in that way. But I did I, I, getting out of bed in the morning was was not re- a real problem. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, that technique you just touched upon, you know, getting out of bed when you're struggling. I think for many of us, we can be a little bit almost over eager to jump out of bed, you know, when we're awake during the night. Um, and sometimes that can make it hard to get the right results from that technique just because, so it's known as stimulus control. And the idea is it's just another one of these strategies for retraining ourselves to see the bed as a place for sleep instead of wakefulness. So uh, generally speaking, what we do is use the bed only for sleep. So if we're awake, we get out of bed. Um, But it can be quite tempting, you know, as soon as we wake to then suddenly jump out of bed. Um, What I tend to suggest to people is that it's okay to wake during the night because everyone does it. You know, waking during the night is completely normal and it's a normal part of sleep. So if you wake during the night and if you still feel calm and relaxed, then you might as well stay in bed, you know, because the conditions are right for sleep because you're calm and relaxed. But it's that moment, you know, if you suddenly start to feel really worried, really anxious, really frustrated, you know, you're tossing and turning, whipping the sheets around, groaning yeah. out loud. And like, yes. that's kind of your prompt to just get out of bed and just do anything that you find relaxing and enjoyable. It's almost like, a distraction from the mind to stop it from just focusing on that frustration. And it's like this yeah. mental reset switch, even if it's, you're only out of bed for like five minutes, you know? Um, and over the long term, that can just be helpful at just removing that, that conditioned anxiety, you know, like as soon as you wake up and spending all that time frustrated, you know, you don't allow yourself to reinforce it because instead what you're doing is just, you know, getting out of bed when you feel anxious and worried and frustrated for a few minutes or some people watch like a tv show like an episode of friends or something you know and then return to bed um but you know that is one of these strategies that isn't really intended to help improve your sleep that night you know that's more of like one of these long-term strategies just over time to help you relearn to see the bed as a place for sleep Um, But I think it is easy for people just in their enthusiasm to get results quick. You know, as soon as they wake, they'll just kind of jump out of bed. Um, 
which isn't always that helpful. You know, sometimes if just recognizing it's okay to wake up during the night and it's yeah. certainly okay yeah. to stay in bed if you're calm and relaxed, you know, because that means the conditions are still right for you to fall back to sleep. Yeah, well, well I found that I, I had the um, sleep maintenance insomnia mainly, which was waking, waking it in the early hours of the morning, but it was the, the sleep restrictions to having my bedtime later which, which cleared that up as well because I would, the sleep drive was so large when I went to bed that I would, I would wake, at, wake at three, but, but I'd get back to sleep pretty much straight away because I was still so tired, whereas before I'd go to bed at you know, 10 o'clock and I'd wake at, wake at three and that was it. I'd feel, like, I'd feel wide awake, like my brain would start ticking and I'd, I'd, I'd get anxious and, yeah, that, that, that was it. I'd just be lying in bed or... Um, get out of bed and, and do something, but I, I would very rarely get back to sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm really glad that you said that because I get a lot of people that tell me, well, this isn't going to, this technique, you know, this of allotting less time for sleep, how's that? I can understand how it's going to help me fall asleep and improve my sleep there because I'm going to be sleepier, but I don't understand how it's going to help me, you know, with those nighttime awakenings with waking before my alarm, like how is that going to help me? I don't understand. And so yes. it's interesting that you found, you know, that you just described that you found it really helpful. Why yeah. do you think that was, do you think it was because you, when you woke during the night, you just still had a higher level of sleepiness or do you think there was something else to explain why you found it so helpful? No, I, th I think that I, I, I did. I woke, woke during the night, but I was still sleepy. Like um, when I had the when I had the sleep restriction. But yeah, when I didn't have the sleep restriction, I'd, I'd gone to bed early, and then I woken up, and my body's just sort of turned on, and, and my mind turned on, and I, 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 I got started feeling anxious, and I, 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 I looked at the clock. I clock watched, and. Um, it just made thing. It just escalated things so that I, I wasn't getting back. wasn't getting back to sleep. But when I shifted that time, I, I was just so tired, so exhausted that I, you know, I, I just went straight, straight back, pretty much straight back to sleep. I still have times where I, I, I will be awake, but mm -hmm. the the norm now is that you know I, I get back to sleep. Yeah. Sometimes I get people say to me, you know just this idea of having less time available for sleep gives me anxiety and makes me feel worried. Um, like, or, or someone will say, Oh, I tried this for a few days. I tried it for a week or two weeks, but I just found that I was paying more attention to sleep. I felt more anxious because I knew I had less time available to sleep. Is that something that you dealt with? Um, or did you just kind of go all in without much thought, without much thought or concern about that? Yeah, I think I think with the with the sleep diary, it made me think think too much about it. I was thinking too much about the sleep, and I was thinking all day about it, and it was just consuming consuming my thoughts. So it was only when you start to not for me, it made a huge shift, and not not clock watching. It made me switch switch off my my mind a lot more, and I could think about other things instead of you look at I look at that clock, and it just all the negative thoughts flood back, and you can't get them out of your head, and you start. You're thinking, okay, this is not not productive. But at three o'clock in the morning, it's like things are so much bigger than you know. In the light of day, they're they're, they're so insignificant. But it could just be some little little thing that would my brain would start ticking, and I, I just couldn't get it out of my head, and I couldn't I couldn't switch off and go get back to sleep. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that is really common too. You know, all these thoughts that we have during the night, they do seem like so much bigger when we have them during the night. You know, if we have like a a thought at three in the morning, our reaction to it is often very different to what our reaction would be at say three in the afternoon. Um, And I think a lot of that is just due to, you know, we're just not at our best at three in the morning, which sounds obvious to say, but you know, when we have these thoughts at three in the morning, they can seem, first of all, they can seem 100% true. You know, we could have a thought that says something like, it's going to be impossible to get through the day tomorrow because I'm awake at three in the morning, you know, but if you have that thought three in the afternoon or just reflect back on it, well, look, you are getting through the day. Maybe the day's a bit more difficult, um, but maybe you're having a good day. Maybe there's a few good moments. You know, you can kind of chip away at those thoughts in the cold light of day. But when you have them at night, they can just seem deadly accurate and deadly serious. And this really makes it harder for you to just calm your mind down during the night. Yeah, definitely. So right now we're kind of painting this picture that sleep restriction is kind of this magic pill. You know, you go to bed later one night and suddenly your insomnia is cured. But I think it's important to be realistic so people have the right expectations here because it often takes a while for these ETI techniques of which restriction is one to work. So can you tell us like how long it took you you know implementing sleep restriction before you kind of notice those results and how long it took you to get that confidence back and think and worry yeah. about sleep yeah well i did the did the sleep diary i think i i think um you recommended do it for a month so i did it for a month and i could see see that my sleep was bad i could see some some nights were, were better than than others and i, I thought I'll, I'll i'll do this again and i i got I printed printed out the sleep sleep diary again, and I did it for another month, and things started to get better. But it wasn't until I sort of I didn't clock watch. I was I was watching the clock too much. But after that, so it was probably about probably about two month two months in. But I, I was doing the sleep restriction, and I was I, I was enjoying it more. I was enjoying like that time where I'd stay up and I'd get I'd, I'd go to bed sleepy, and I'd I'd, I'd sleep a lot better and and i i I realized that i was getting a lot more sleep when i wasn't thinking about it as much i was Mm -hmm. thinking when with when i had the sleep diary would just it would make me think and i go i look okay now this is 15 minutes i've got to put 15 minutes in the in the sleep diary it's taken me half an hour to get to sleep i was thinking about it too much whereas when i just just stayed up basically stayed up later and and got that sleep drive like kicking kicking in and went to bed i i, I wasn't thinking about it as much as it's when i was thinking about it it was making me anxious and and it was when i took that anxiousness out of it and just went okay let's just try this without actually documenting everything and 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 it it really kicked in and then then it started working so it was probably about it was probably about two two months of doing the sleep diary and then um, within two weeks after that of just restricting my bed bedtime where I I found it made a, a massive difference that was that was a game changer for me that that really helped me help me sleep and I, I really I, I can feel that that feeling of sleepiness sleep sleepiness now so mm. I can I, I, I can recognize that whereas I couldn't recognize that before. Yeah, um, you know, 
I, I said this to you before when I was preparing for this episode. I remembered that email that I got from you about four weeks after, you know, we first connected together and you said that after that four weeks, you know, you were finding that you're just falling asleep so much faster, you know, and that your wife actually said that you were starting to fall asleep faster than her. And that's something that, that never used to happen. Um, and then, yeah. And then a little bit later after that, you know, you, I remember that email when you just said to me, I got these like six hours of solid uninterrupted sleep, you know? So um, I, I think it's just important to emphasize, you know, that, it does take time and like this can, you really got to be consistent with it. You know, it's so easy for, cause we're so desperate to make these improvements really quickly. We can almost in a way put pressure on ourselves to get these results, you know? So we're really like self monitoring, which actually makes yeah. progress more difficult. Yeah. Um, but it is so important to recognize that it does take time, you know, just like it took time for the insomnia to become entrenched. Um, it kind of takes time to pick it apart. So I think that's really important that you yourself yeah. recognize, you know, it was about a two month long process. You know, it wasn't something that happened in a week or two. It was like closer to eight weeks than eight days. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a bad habit that I've, I've, I've made over. I've had, had this bad habit for over two years. So it's a, to, to, for, to take two, two months to, to break is, is expected. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so what's your sleep looking like now? Like what, what does a typical night look like for you? Well, it's, it's, it's funny that you say, you say before that, you know, I was, I was, I was feeling great after having six hours. I had six hours under uninterrupted sleep. Now I'm, I'm thinking uh, that's one of my worst sleeps is six <laughs> hours. I like, I always probably sleep between six and seven hours and mm -hmm. typically a night. So, and yeah, that is, um, I feel, I feel great after having, you know, seven, seven hours is, is amazing, but it's, it's, um, it's not, um, quantity of sleep, it's quality of sleep. I can, mm. I can feel better when I've had a, when I've had a really good quality sleep and I, I, it's, it's weird that the, you, the way your mind works. So if you tell you, tell yourself you've had a good night, good night's sleep, you can get along, get get on with the day just, just fine. If you have a bad night's sleep, and my, my wife stopped asking me the question, like, how would you sleep? Because I, I was, I'd say horrible. She just waited for me to say if I had a good night's sleep or not. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I feel even if I have six hours sleep, which is one of my worst, worst night's sleep now, if I tell myself, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's okay, I, I, I've done this before, I, I still, I can, I can go to the gym and I can still work out and and then have a have a have a good day have a productive productive day and i know that if i've had a bad night's sleep that night that, that my sleep drive is going to build up so much that i'm 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 going to sleep so there's no two ways about it that's going to happen so it, it puts my mind at ease yeah i think that's one uh, another one of the benefits of the bedtime restriction you know the sleep restriction um is that it does consolidate sleep you know once your body learns that it's only got this very specific window in which yeah it has that opportunity to sleep you do tend to spend less time awake during the night and that's, that's consolidated sleep, which is generally better yes. quality sleep. And that has far more of an effect on how you feel during the day than quantity alone. You know, it's like I have clients that I work with and they 
would like let's say get seven hours of broken interrupted sleep where they're in and out of sleep all night but they estimate that they get like seven hours of sleep um and then when we implement the sleep restriction like start allotting less time for sleep um they can get might get less sleep in the short term like let's say six hours of sleep five and a half hours of sleep but they notice how much better they feel during the day even though they're technically getting less sleep um just because that sleep is so much more consolidated there's less of that wakefulness there's less of that in and out of sleep you know some people yeah. say i just feel like i'm getting so much light sleep it's not really yeah. restorative uh, and i think that's one one area that it can really help with yeah definitely definitely how did you get to the process of like extending out your sleep window as you noticed that your sleep was like improving and you were spending more time asleep? Or did you have like a specific technique or a method to just expanding out that amount of time you allowed yourself to sleep? Uh, no, I just, I just sort of, I sort of winged it. I just, mm. I, I, I just kept, I kept push, pushing it back because I was keeping the sleep diary and it was showing that I was having poor sleep. So I kept pushing it back. And yeah, I was so, I was getting so tired that um, I was, I, I could feel that, 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 that feeling of being tired. So I'd sort of, I'd, I, I kept, I, I'd push it back until, you know, 12 o'clock at night. And then, then I kept bringing, bringing it, bringing it forward. And when I, when I felt that I was tired, I could, in, internally, I, I could recognise that, you know, this is uh, this is a good opportunity for me to go to bed. I, I could I mm -hmm. could feel tired, so you know, I'd be watching, watch, staying up, and expecting to stay up for you know two hours. And I'd watch a movie, and I go, I, I feel exhausted. Now I'm going to bed because I know that I'm, I'm my body is just is ready for sleep. It's it's the best opportunity. I, I would find sometimes that I would try to push through that and then I would get start getting anxious again and, and I wouldn't sleep so I know that that was the time to go to bed and I'd go to bed and I'd, I'd fall asleep pretty much instantaneously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, um, that's really interesting the way you said that just because once you start to notice the benefits, i.e. you are noticing that sleepiness occurring in the evening, you know, then you just basically based it on that you know so if you felt that you were capable of getting more sleep then you would just allow yourself to go to bed a little bit earlier and then see what happened you know and then if you're still doing well not spending that much time awake during the night again you let yourself go to bed a little bit earlier because you just become more aware of your own sense of sleepiness you know because you really kind of take the clock out of that equation and just go by your own levels of exactly. sleepiness did you notice yeah. that any times that maybe you expanded it out too quickly and that you kind of went back to spending a lot of time awake during the night did you have any like setbacks like that along the way uh i i, I saw i i, I would have a, a set um bedtime that i would you know i'd, I'd get I'd try to try to get up to but if i yeah if i felt sleepy before then i would i would go to go to <clears throat> I would go to bed and and I would pretty much sleep 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 well. I wasn't I wasn't um I wasn't getting that wakefulness at night. I wasn't if I if I felt that I was really tired. If I if I pushed pushed it, I'd get overtired and I I'd get get to bed and I'd feel um anxious. But um I, I pretty much felt that when, once I was tired and went to bed, that um the sleep maintenance insomnia that I had was would pretty much um, disappear. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, you know, I was one of the questions I was planning on asking you is whether you're still implementing these CBTI techniques. Um, but I think you kind of already answered that because you've just explained that, you know, you just use your sleepiness cues, your own cues for sleepiness now yeah. for to know when it's time to go to bed. Um, yeah. But I think that the real beauty of these CBTI techniques is because that's kind of where we want you to get to. We want you to get to this stage where, you know, you're not really analyzing sleep that much anymore. You're not really thinking about sleep. Yeah. You're just kind of going to bed when you feel sleepy. Um, but you've always got them with you to fall back on, yeah. you know? So if you go through this period of a week or two where you're really struggling, you know that you can just kind of pull all these techniques back out of your back pocket and just implement them yeah. again to help get your sleep back on track. Yeah, and yeah, and that's that's what I do. I I use those CBTI techniques, but I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like going. Okay, now I can't go to bed until eleven thirty. I go. Okay, now I can't go to bed until I'm feeling this amount of tired, like this this tired. And when I do go to bed, I I do sleep. Yeah. All right, Dave. So I, um, I really appreciate how much time you've shared uh, with us today. I've got one last question for you, um, which is this. If someone with chronic insomnia is listening and feels as though they've tried everything, they're beyond help, and they can't do anything to improve their sleep, what would you tell them? I would definitely say look up your, your website, uh, look up um, uh, Insomnia Coach. Uh, the, um, the techniques were, were a game changer for me. Um, this, the sleep, sleep um, restriction was, was amazing. The sleep restriction and don't look at the clock. The clock mm -hmm. is uh, the, the enemy of sleep. All right, Dave, thanks again uh, for sharing your time with us today. I think a lot of people are going to find this discussion really helpful. I think they're going to identify with so much of what you've said. And the, the idea behind all of these podcast episodes is that if people can recognize their experience in yours and see that you manage to get better, get your sleep back on track and get to that point where you don't really think about sleep anymore then they can too. And I think that that's very reassuring and hopefully motivating for people to implement these CBTI techniques or maybe revisit them if they've tried them before in the past. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on. You're very welcome. Thank you, Martin. Thanks for listening to the Insomnia Coach podcast. If you're ready to implement evidence-based cognitive and behavioral techniques to improve your sleep, but think you might need some additional support and guidance, I would love to help. There are two ways we can work together. First, you can get my online coaching course. This is the most popular option. My course combines sleep education with individualized coaching and is guaranteed to improve your sleep. You will learn new ways of thinking about sleep and implement better sleep habits over a period of eight weeks. This gives you time to build sleep confidence and notice results without feeling overwhelmed. You can get the course and start right now at insomniacoach.com forward slash online. I also offer a phone coaching package where we start with a one hour call. This can be voice only or video, your choice, and we come up with an initial two-week plan that will have you implementing cognitive and behavioral techniques that will lead to long-term improvements in your sleep. You get unlimited email-based support and guidance for two weeks after the call 
along with a half hour follow-up call at the end of the two weeks. You can book the phone coaching package at insomniacoach.com forward slash phone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Insomnia Coach podcast. I'm Martin Reed, and as always, I'd like to leave you with this important reminder. You can sleep. <laughs>